Hello, Shiver Seekers. Are you ready to follow us into the unknown? I'm Cynthia. And I'm Stephanie. And you have found the dark oak. Today, we will cover the missing persons case of three-year-old Casey Hathaway. After three days in the unforgiving wilderness, he was found miraculously unharmed. He said a bear saved him. Is it possible? My goodness, do we have a happy ending today? It is. It's still a mystery with a little happy end. Oh, that's just what I need. Well, welcome to the Dark Oak, the mystery podcast with purpose. Each month through the Branch of Hope Fund, we give a portion of earnings from our Patreon and sponsors to a nonprofit organization of your choosing. To find out how you can be a part of the movement, head over to thedarkoak.com or stay with us until the end of the episode and we will give you all of the details. Good morning, Cynthia. Good morning, Stephanie. <laughs> now, as most of our listeners are aware, each of us, you and I, are true blue boy moms. Uh, all the way. <laughs> no other options. No other options. This is our fate. <laughs> it, it is indeed. So each of us has three boys on our own. And I know, at least in our house, we have a slew of little boy friends visiting all the time to play on the homestead, to get dirty, to get into the boy antics, all the fun things. And so it made sense that the story of little Casey Hathaway kind of drew me in a little bit. And I'm going to be quite frank, our last cases have been doozies. They've been a little rough. They've been really rough. I mean, mm -hmm. after the Sodder children and Elizabeth Short, I just, I needed a bit of a palate cleanser. Yeah. And so that is what this is. Well, we're starting the new year off with something happy. Exactly. We need a little hope. Yeah. We need a little happiness here. So I'm going to give that to you. Now, I will say it is definitely mysterious and definitely unsolved. So let's get to it. All right. I'm excited. <laughs> now, on January 22nd, in Ernal, a rural town in eastern North Carolina, three-year-old Casey Hathaway was playing in the yard of his great-grandmother with his two sisters. And around one o'clock, the girls ran into the house, but Casey wasn't with them. When his grandmother asked where Casey was, the girls weren't sure. And it's not quite clear if Casey wandered into the woods behind the house to play, like if mm -hmm. he wandered off or if the three kids were playing in the backyard and the two girls came in thinking that he was following them and he wasn't. But whatever it is, they knew he had kind of wandered off in the woods, like the girls had indicated he had gone into the woods. Okay. Either way, Casey's grandmother was alarmed. I mean, sure. It's a, a little three year old, three -year -old yeah. boy in the woods by himself. She went outside and started searching the area. And again, it's very rural a large expanse of woods in her backyard. So she searched about 45 minutes before realizing. Oh my God. I mean, it's the most terrorizing That's 45 minutes of horrific. her life. Yeah. So she called police department and reported Casey missing. The police department responded immediately to the home and gathered as much information as they could. And honestly, on the onset, everything looked really bleak for this little boy. Even with the police responding immediately, things were really stacked against him. Well, it's January. It's cold, first off. Yeah. So, and even, it was a brutal, a brutal winter. At the time he disappeared, it was already 37 degrees outside. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, I just got chill bumps just even thinking about it. Yeah. Bad. 
And again, the woods where he ran off or wandered into are huge. Mm-mm. I mean, huge. So he could have gone in any direction, right? Second, it was very rainy in North Carolina at this time. And the temperatures were expected to plummet overnight, um, like into the 20s. Mm. And the next day, the meteorologist had predicted two inches of rain overnight. Oh my gosh. That's a lot <laughs> of, of wind, rain, snow, bad. And again, a little three-year-old, I mean, my gosh. And they, you know, you think a three-year-old, how far can they go? They move fast. Oh, they move fast. Yeah. And there had been rainfall in the previous weeks as well that had opened up several sinkholes. Oh, no. Oh, I, my girl, you have my anxiety going through the roof right now. Again, it's a happy ending. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay, Cynthia. But I will tell you, I mean, again, this is bleak. Like for the few days he was missing. Bad, bad news. Sinkholes that open up, lakes and ponds are filled to capacity. He's a three-year-old boy. It's terrifying. And to make matters worse, Casey was not wearing any kind of what we would call winter gear. He had on light pants and a little windbreaker. Oh, my God. Because, again, he was just playing outside in the yard. It's just bad. Not suited for the cold. He's not at all prepared. Not at all prepared. And he's tiny. I mean, he's only three years old, but he's 25 pounds. Oh, baby. He weighs two. He's two feet, three inches tall. A little biddle. A little guy. And so imagining him, you know, I mean, I, I just, I can't imagine what his family was thinking. No. You know, that little in freezing rain. It's not looking good. By 5 p.m., there were 100 volunteers combing the area, but they couldn't find any evidence that he had been out there. There were no signs of Casey. That evening, pleas for additional volunteers went out to the community. Now, remember I said this is a feel-good story. Okay. Right? Okay. Here's some feel-good parts. (laughs) Well, by Wednesday morning, so many volunteers to show up that some had to be turned away. Wow. Okay. And I'm talking... Over 500. That's amazing. Over 500 volunteers showed up at a plea. The plea came out at Tuesday night. And by Wednesday morning, over 500 people showed up to look for him. That's awesome. That that gives me hope. Sure. Yeah. But even with this, I mean, it's still trying to find a needle in a haystack. Well, and at this point, he's been missing since Monday, right? No, no. Tuesday. So Tuesday afternoon, about 1 okay. o'clock. Okay. So this is Wednesday So he's morning. been missing overnight, which okay. already is not good. So temperatures that night went down to 28 degrees. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And it's wet. And you've got these sinkholes. And you've got these ponds. And he's and, got no coat. And, and he's, he's got, got no, no coat. And no mommy to take care of it. And no mommy to take care of it. Oh, yes. Yeah. So our mama hearts are breaking <laughs> right now. Again, feel good story. (laughs) Okay. Now, the highway patrol provided a helicopter with forward-looking infrared to find heat sources. Dogs and drones were brought in to help. Divers began assessing and searching the nearby bodies of water. Anxiety. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Law enforcement asked anyone in the area to search storage sheds, vehicles, and their general property to see if maybe Casey was hanging out somewhere in there. At 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday evening, a prayer vigil was held by concerned community members at a local center to provide hope for the family and searchers, which is just wonderful. Again, an amazing community. Unfortunately, by 7 p.m., though, the FBI had to send all volunteer searchers home due to concerns about the increasingly bad weather. I have no words for how hopeless everybody must have felt. Yeah. 
overnight and into the next morning, only professional searchers worked as the weather conditions turned more dangerous, resulting in freezing temperatures and driving rain. Mm. As the morning faded to afternoon, in the afternoon into evening, it began to look like Casey would spend yet another night missing away from his family. But Linda Fraker, walking her dog close to where Casey disappeared, heard what she thought was the crying of a child about 40 or 50 yards away from the road. She ran down the path to flag down a first responder, hoping it was the cries of Casey. The first responder confirmed what she was hearing and flagged down more searchers to go into the area. In order to reach the source of the calls, detectives were forced to wade through waist-deep water over very treacherous terrain, but it was worth it because tangled in a brush of briars, vines, and thorns, wet and cold and tired, but relatively unharmed, was little Casey Hathaway. I know. So we're all going to take a minute with tears in our eyes because it's just relief. Oh, my gosh. Relief. He was a little more than a quarter of a mile away from where he went missing. He immediately asked to go home and see his mommy. After they were reunited, his first requests were to see his sisters. Because he's an angel. Uh Uh-huh. And to watch his favorite show on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a little boy to me. (laughs) Yes. Now, you can imagine the jubilation that occurred after Casey was found. Like, off the charts excitement. And, I mean, I'm feeling it right here just telling Mm -hmm. you the story. Here's where the twist comes. First, the fact that Casey survived is literally a miracle. Three days in those temperatures and with no water and no real protection. Yes. I would have thought this was a recovery at this point. An actual miracle that he survived. And while in the emergency room getting checked over, Casey reveals that he spent the night with a bear that kept him warm. Mm. He repeated over and over that he had a friend that was a bear that was with him in the woods. While initial opinions were that this was just kind of like a fantasy made up by a potentially traumatized toddler, Casey's story never wavered. He continued to say the same story over and over. And it was then that many began to kind of investigate it. His aunt wound up posting it on social media that, you know, Praise be to God, you know, Casey has returned. A bear helped him in the woods. So everybody's like, wait, wait a minute. What? Like, that's kind of an outrageous story. Sure. That really is true. And while many, including Casey's parents, believe that a bear was responsible for keeping Casey alive, many wildlife experts were very skeptical. I mean, his mom was really sweet about it. She was like, well, and she's continued to say this over and over. If he said he saw a bear, he saw a bear. Oh, I love her. Yeah. She's just like, I'm not going to engage. If he said he saw a bear, there was a bear. But people started coming out. They were bear or sign, if you will, experts that said this is just not realistic. And the sheriff reported that he believed Casey was looked after and his survival was a miracle. But he said, quote, I don't know if that meant he saw a bear. I don't know if that meant a bear embraced him or what it meant. I thought it was a very cute story. And if that's what helped that child survive through this, you know what? I'm going to embrace that story that came from a three-year-old to his mom, to us. So he's saying, I don't know if it's true or not. I feel like this is a very fair answer. It is. It's very, very fair. 
It's very fair. It's very practical. And he said, you know what? I don't know what happened. I'm just glad he's alive. Sure. If that helped him stay alive, I'm grateful for it. Yeah, absolutely. So he didn't cast aspersions on it, but, you know, he didn't confirm it either. Chris Serving, a bear researcher at the University of Montana, said, I've never known such a thing to happen. Bears don't do that. Wild bears aren't friends with people. I don't want to say he's not telling the truth. He obviously thinks he's seen things and maybe he's got a teddy bear at home. But I've seen no evidence anything like that has ever happened. Sounds like a scientific answer. A scientific answer. Exactly. And in most cases, wild bears are naturally afraid of people. And Servine's most likely scenario, the the bear would have smelled Casey and moved away from him. So if Casey had wandered into the woods, the bear would have smelled him and tried to move away from Casey. The only reason a bear would have approached further would have been if it was being predatory, which is like the opposite of what we want. Sure. Right? Many believe the idea of a bear taking pity on Casey, like feeling bad for this lost kid, would be an example of anthropomorphism, which is ascribing human characteristics on a wild animal. Which I do. Yes. Because we are princesses and we speak to animals. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but Chris Norcott, a wildlife photographer who spends more time with black bears in North Carolina than probably anyone else, thinks the story could very well have been true. Oh. He says, quote, I believe him. Over the years, I've seen many behaviors which demonstrated their concern and nurturing side towards their own offspring and other animals. And I know we were talking about that when I told you I was presenting this case today. And you were saying, you know, how you love the videos and stories of, like, a mother cat adopting, like, a duckling. Yeah, (laughs) something. You know, know, like, two animals that would not pair together um, naturally. Whether a bear was involved or not, several other questions come to mind. So just take the bear out of the equation. How did Casey get to the location he was found? Right, because it was the only way through the water. Yes. Searchers reported they had to wade through waist-high water to get to him. But Casey himself was not even waist-high. Like, he wasn't tall enough. So there's no way he's getting through that on his own. On his own? I mean, I guess if he swam through it, but he can't swim. He's three. He's three. So weird. Weird, right? Also, since he was soaked through... Why was he only cold and not suffering from hypothermia? Something was keeping him warm. Well, I mean, I just think it's, I don't think he was alone. He couldn't have been. I mean, it doesn't appear that he could, like under normal circumstances, he would not have survived this scenario. Right. And being so small, how could he have survived alone? He's tiny. He's a little one. I'm not a bear expert by any means. But if it was a bear that he saw, then I have like bear questions. Like it's January. Aren't bears hibernating? I wondered that too. Like nobody's ever been able to answer that. I don't know. I've got questions. A chaplain named Shane Greer simply said, quote, somebody looked after him. That was God at work. End quote. Hmm. Some have viewed the story as so fantastical that there has been speculation that maybe Casey was abducted, held somewhere for two days, and then returned into the woods. But police have adamantly said there's no way this could have happened. Because people are like, okay, well, he stayed safe. He stayed alive. Maybe somebody plucked him up and then, like, put him back. Like, maybe abducted him. Found out there was, like, this manhunt. 
and then returned him. Okay. But number one, Casey's never said anything about that. He's never said anything about another person or being somewhere else. And physically, everything lines up with him having been in the elements for two nights and three days. His core temperature was very low when they found him. It wasn't hypothermic, but it was low. He also had a bit of frostbite on his fingers. Not enough, you know, to have to do amputations, but enough that clearly he was out overnight. Okay. And again, no other evidence anybody else was in the area. So they think that's unlikely. But again, was it a bear? Was it a large dog? I don't, I'm just oh, literally okay. grasping at straws. Was it someone dressed as a bear? I don't know. Some wild wood witch living out in the I mean, wilderness. it does make you wonder. I mean, because everybody's kind of like, yeah, I don't think he survived out there alone. The question seems to be, was it a bear? But if it wasn't a bear, then what was it? Are there any animals that kind of could be mistaken for a bear that would have the natural... I mean, a dog is all I can think of, like an enormous dog. But wouldn't you know the difference between a bear and a dog? You would think at three. Unless, I mean, there are some bears or some dogs that look like bears. But then how would he get across the water? Is a dog going to carry him across the water? I don't know. I'm stumped. Yeah. It's weird, right? Now, Casey has stuck to his story and has his reward for surviving bear or not the community has sent him dozens of teddy bears to congratulate to congratulate him on his safe return home oh which is really sweet that's very cute yeah now with such different opinions on this case i decided to look back and see if there were other cases confirmed or speculated to involve a bear saving a child and you may be surprised to hear that casey's was not the only one of its kind oh in june of 1888 Okay, so we're going back a couple days. We're going back a few days. The New York Times reported on a two-year-old girl who went missing from her home in the Catskill Mountains. Search parties yielded no clues. The next day, a fisherman spotted the little girl standing in the middle of a brook that runs through a deep ravine between two mountains. She had wandered more than two miles from her home. A two-year-old girl. In the mountains. I know they can do that because I watch a lot of those like missing 411 documentaries and they say you underestimate how fast a kid can move. Unbelievable. A two-year-old. Yeah. They'll just go because they kind of freak out and realize like they don't know where they just run. You know, they just go. Well, this to me now and again in the middle of this ravine with the brook. I don't know. It's wild to me. That's crazy. Now, much like Casey's story, the little girl told her father when she was returned to him that she had, quote, slept in the woods with the big bear. There was much speculation as to how a little girl and a bear came in contact. Like, did the bear follow the little girl? Like, when she wandered off, did the little girl follow the bear? Because there's some idea maybe she saw a bear and chased after the bear. And that's when she got lost. Because I can even see my own kids being like, oh, you know, the place with the bear. Because one time they saw a bear in the woods and then Uh forever the woods are associated with a bear. Like, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And she's too. Right. She's not saying it's dangerous. It's just there's something that's interesting over there. Right. Um, Unfortunately, there isn't much more to this story. I mean, it's 1888. So I wasn't able to dig up, you know, a lot of social media attention on this case. Um, But it does sound really eerily similar to Casey's. It does. Yeah. I don't know. Weirder things have happened, don't you think? I like the idea of a bear saving these babies. Me too. 
On August 26, 1882, the Harrisonburg Rockingham Register reported that a three-year-old named Fleming lived with her parents in northern Michigan, and she went missing. Her little tiny footprints were tracked for quite some time when they eventually disappeared and were replaced by that of a bear. Okay, that's pretty scary. Very terrifying. And, I mean, her father pretty much assumed that he would not find his daughter alive. Oh, my gosh. Like, that's awful. I mean, because what are the chances? Right, right, I right. mean, right? Um, but he put together a search party of local townsfolk, and they began to look for the girl and the bear, but they found neither, and they had to call it off because of nightfall. But the next morning, the search began again. And as searchers were approaching a swampy area, they heard a large splash. And they moved closer to the source of the noise, and they saw the girl, unharmed, standing on a large log that, like, arched over the water. It was almost like this bridge, you know, this, like, natural bridge that went over the water. She was just standing on it, over the water. And she claimed that she had been in the company of a bear. And when the searchers were coming closer to her, the bear had jumped into the water, creating the splash (gasps) that they heard. No, I just got chills. Yeah, this is like a movie. She went on to say the bear had protected her, caressed her gently, and cuddled her at night. The end of the article states that the bear had recently lost her cub and was most likely trying to adopt the girl as her own. Now, I think the last part was probably thrown in to try to make sense of okay this unbelievable story because i mean how do you how do you confirm that sure i mean i'm sure nobody really knew but what else do you say well to me that's kind of the one thing because you know a child would probably normally be prey to right. these creatures but in those scenarios maybe that's like the explanation maybe they recently lost a cub and then these babies are so little it's not like you or me where we present a threat or something Right. You know, it's like this tiny little. And, you know, different spots in like hormones and, right. you know, things like that, you know, spikes. Maybe, maybe it's just right time, right place. Right. Just like very, it's not the normal thing that happens. It's not typical, but just the right moment in time. Yeah. Now, in these scenarios, the only person reported to have seen the bear are the kids that's interesting does that bother you like does that stick out as strange this last um when you were explaining oh we heard the splash but and i was like oh are they going to come see the baby in the arms of a bear Mm -hmm. but nope so i don't know if it bothers me as much as it just adds to the mystery i mean Mm -hmm. something's taking care of these kids there's no doubt in my mind about that Mm -hmm. something is taking care of them. Something. So is it a bear that can feel the presence of humans approaching and knows to run away? I don't think that's unheard of. I mean, that seems very possible. Yeah. Could it be something else? Just interesting. It's something I noticed in common. Yes. All right. And another story, three-year-old Alice Rachel Peck wandered away from her home in Burns Valley, Pennsylvania on August 25th, 1898 in search of her mother who went on an errand. Now, I'm actually going to read the short article just as it was written because it's cool the way 1800s <laughs> articles are written. So this is what the Bucks County Gazette says. Quote, the little girl traveled an old and unused back road, climbed over a high and very rough mountain, and there, worn out with hunger and without bonnet 
or shoes for three days and nights, had nothing to eat but a few huckleberries, while friends and neighbors were diligently searching for her or her remains. She was found on Sunday morning, August 28th, at half past seven o'clock by William Bear, not not spelled the same, (laughs) B-A-I-R, but she was sound and well. She neither smiled nor cried as 200 voices rang out the glad tidings of great joy five miles from her home in the mountains, five miles. While her parents were in great agony at home, they were soon relieved when hearing the many voices and trumpets proclaiming that the lost had been found. Makes me like teary. (laughs) Yeah, it's really beautiful. (laughs) I know. On the same morning, the child was found in the same vicinity from eight until half past 11 o'clock, 13 rattlers, we're talking about snakes, 13 rattlers, two vipers, and two copperheads were killed. So somehow she traveled five miles from her home, survived freezing nights, no food, no water, and imagine and managed to like avoid these venomous snakes. All returned happy, but some were very near worn out. The majority of those who participated in the child's hunt saved their canes as relics of the day. Oh. That's the end of the article. Isn't that sweet? That's very I was sweet. like, I'm just going to read this in its entirety. And beautifully written. And yeah. beautifully written. I mean, man, I want somebody to like voices and trumpets and I glad know. tidings of great joy. Aww. Like, that's amazing. Here comes the weird part. At this point, it's just a kid lost. They found her, right? When Alice was asked by her father how she got over those big rocks, she told him, quote, the big black man helped me. Okay. Okay. That's all she could tell him. Mm -hmm. The big black man helped me. Now, this is not interpreted to mean a man of dark skin. Okay. Nobody thought that's what she was saying. But possibly this was a black bear. Okay. And considering she came out unharmed, I find it unlikely it was a person like leading her away with sinister motives because then she's just found somewhere. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I just don't think it was a person like abducting her. Right. But it was something. Sure. That helped her over a literal mountain. Wow. Yeah. So moving on from how creepy it would be to hear a toddler talk about a dark man helping her in the wilderness. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I would be like, Okay, Um, I'll now introduce maybe a provocative explanation. Um, If you were to be a believer or even open to the idea, don't some of these scenarios seem like a good fit for a Bigfoot? (laughs) I was hoping you would say that because I was thinking. Because, I mean, doesn't it? Like when you really put it together, I know we've done an episode on Bigfoot and I have presented some information that possibly they're out there, but I do feel like this, I mean, it's, it's made for it. And I will tell you for all of you who are like, huh, Bigfoot, how silly. If you have not listened to that episode, you need to listen because it is pretty compelling. Yeah, uh, it's possible. It, it's possible. And yes, absolutely. When you were describing these, I was thinking, what about a Bigfoot? What about a Bigfoot? Exactly. And I didn't immediately go there when I was reading these, but seeing the way she described the big black man, and then I don't know, even like the idea of a bear carrying a child, like how would it carry it like in its mouth? You know what I'm saying? Like, wouldn't there be scratch marks? There would be claw marks because I mean, it's a bear, even if it's trying to be gentle. 
something's still going to happen, right? Because how do bears carry their young? Do they carry them in their mouths? Yeah. Yeah. So there's no way. But a a baby bear has like a scruff. Children don't have that. Right. So I guess it could carry it by the clothes. But even that, you would think its teeth would like scratch their backs when it tries to pick them up, right? Yeah, you'd have to get it's really lucky. It's just weird. Like, to... I mean, it's not like the kids are like jumping on their backs or something, right? You know, but a bigfoot, but a bigfoot could just pick them up. Yeah. So if you're kind of feeling me on this scenario, I want you to hear this next story. Oh, okay. In 1955, a two-year-old girl named Ida Mae Curtis was supposedly abducted, harbored, and comforted by a bear in Kootenai National Forest in Montana. Ida's father was working at a logging camp next to Lee Creek, and on the 4th of July weekend, the families of the loggers were all invited to stay with their husbands and fathers as a family. So all these loggers were working out in the wilderness, and their families were invited for, like, a company picnic, if you will, and to, like, camp out. Yeah. Around 4 p.m., the Curtis family, which included Mr. and Mrs. Curtis and their seven children, were picnicking at the campsite. Two of the children were playing near the tent, and Ida May, this little two-year-old, was inside the tent. Mrs. Curtis said that she was just a short distance away from the tent when she heard two of her children yelling that they saw a bear. And these are the two children by the tent. Okay. She rushed over to the tent in time to see a bear come out of the shelter hopping on three legs. She rushed to the tent and saw that Ida May was missing. Oh. Gosh. By the time she got back outside, the bear had disappeared into the wilderness. Mm-mm. And it was her conclusion that the bear had taken Ida May. So, scary. Yes. Shortly after, Mrs. Curtis's father, who was helping Mrs. Curtis with the picnic arrangements, also saw a bear hopping on three legs carrying something. And he took off after the bear, but lost it as it was crossing Lee Creek. So something important to know here, now we have two adult witnesses seeing the bear. Seeing a bear hopping on three, three legs, legs, meaning one arm is just... Yeah, don't and, and Mrs. Curtis's father thought that it was holding something. He couldn't tell what, but okay. it was hopping on three legs and holding something. Okay. Mrs. Curtis immediately notified the sheriff's office, and volunteers were armed and searching the area by 7 p.m. 22 hours later, Ida May was found in the woods next to the creek the bear was seen wading through. She was completely unharmed with no scratches or signs of hypothermia. She was in a shelter of Mm. sorts about 100 yards from a snowbank. While it had snowed and rained the day before, Ida May was neither cold nor wet and her dress and shoes were dry and clean. This was notable as even the men looking for her in heavy coats were, quote, frozen to the bone. Like it was a cold day and she's perfectly fine. Wow. The shelter in which she was found was made of cedar slashings, which were basically like fallen down like cedar trees, but mm-hmm. they were way too heavy for her to have lifted. And I mean, she's two. Right. <laughs> That's not very heavy. But ultimately, this shelter, she could not have made the shelter. Sure. Whatever she was in. Something else made it. During the search, two expert bloodhounds were brought to try to find her, and one had tracked the scent to the creek two or three times, but then lost it in the water. Remember, this is the one that the bear was supposedly crossing. So it wasn't everybody's imagination. Like, the bloodhounds led them to the creek. So they believe that's where the bear had waded through with Ida May. Right. 
When Ida Mae was found, she ran to her father exclaiming, Daddy, bear, bear, big bear, daddy, water, bear. And she just repeated it over and over. And she said the same thing to her mom. Okay. The sheriff's office assigned to the case never believed the Curtis's story. They never believed that there was any bear, animal, cryptid, nothing. Okay. They downplayed any chance of a grizzly taking Ida May with good intentions. So they said if there was a grizzly involved, it just would have eaten her. It never happened. Don't even think it's going to happen. Stop saying it happened. Just let the whole thing go. You guys are basically crazy. That's kind of what they said. And detectives theorized that Ida May may have seen a bear and then run into the woods. Like what they're saying, I mean, of course, the theory could have been that she ran after the bear, like because her, you know, she saw it. She could have run into the woods because there were bear sightings Mm -hmm. around that area. But the detectives said that Ida May saw the bear and ran from the bear. And that's how she went into the woods. Like she was scared of the bear. But if that was the case, if you're, I mean, don't ever run from a bear. Guys, I don't know if you know anything about bears, but they will track you down. Like if they don't have good intentions. And again, I do have some questions though. Like if she had gone, if the bear had gone into the tent, it probably would have been there for food. Like I don't know what other motive the bear would have had. Yeah. Especially being around people. They are frightened of people in yeah, and there cases. were like hundreds of people right. remember this is like a big picnic so if it had gotten brave enough to go into the tent it probably would have been for food for food for food mm-hmm. right but it didn't come out with food just came out with item a right which i think is weird but then it wasn't predatory towards her right so that's weird weird yeah item a is still alive today okay believe it or not and still lives in the same area uh-huh still confirms her story Does she remember it or is it just, I remember this is what I've been told. A bit of both. Okay. Um, She remembers family members. Now, interestingly, she didn't remember saying bear so much, but she remembers saying over and over and her family has reminded her, she said over and over, she kept saying big chichis over and over. Now, big chichis would interpret like big breasts. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Big breasts, Mm -hmm. right? She kept saying bear, big chichis, big chichis. Mm-hmm. So if you think if it's any kind of female mammalian, okay. let's just use that word because we're not really sure what this warm-blooded thing is. Right. But if it's a female of any kind, it's going to have breasts. Right. Okay. So that's what she remembers. Okay. saying chichis. So it was a female. Whatever it was, Whatever. was a female. Okay. Interesting. Wild, right? Very. Now, bear experts say the chance of a benevolent bear taking Ida May is like less than 0.1%. Like, it's just not. It seems strange. I'm looking for food. I find a baby. I run off with it. That is weird. But again, we have two adults now saying they saw something. Right. Holding something, running. Was it a dog? Okay. Was it a Bigfoot? Right. I don't know. Right. But they saw something and Ida May was gone. Right. And they both described it as a bear. Yes. And we know what a bear looks like versus what a dog looks like versus what a... I mean, I think... But I imagine if I was to see a Bigfoot, I would probably interpret it as being a bear first off. A bear or... I mean, I've never seen one. So the depictions I've seen... That's true. Could be bear, monkey... But literally, if I was to see one across the way, I wouldn't would say, probably, oh, it's a Bigfoot. Yeah, like, you'd say there's a bear. Yeah, because that seems like 
again, Occam's razor, right. talking about Occam's razor, like the most reasonable explanation would be it's a bear. Right. But just the way a bear functions, it just doesn't sound like a bear. Right. But people saw it. Right. So. Okay. Question mark, right? Yeah. Big question mark. Yeah. Now I'm going to deviate just a little bit because I would be remiss if I didn't share with you the legend of the great bear man or the bear king as he Ooh. is referred to in the Native American Kickaboo tribe. Okay. Now, the tale of this cryptid was first printed on May 11th, 1901, and it was in the Washington Bee, which is literally in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this took place in Texas, but the fact that it was printed there is kind of interesting. But anyway, it was shared among the Kickaboo tribe for a long time and then finally got printed, and then it's been shared over the last 100 years. According to the story, Ramey Arlen was a pretty girl that was living in Marble Falls, Texas. And one evening, Ramey's mother sent her out to gather the family's sheep, which were grazing nearby. As her mother went about her own work inside the home, Ramey screamed, pierced the evening air. Fearing for her daughter's life, the woman raced out the door where she heard more screams, one of which was not her daughter's, but the, quote, scream of a panther. Yeah, I know. I did not like that description either. (laughs) Thinking that Raimi interrupted a mountain lion attacking the sheep, right? Again, Occam's razor. The girl's mother dashed back into the house, grabbed a gun, and charged into the woods. She searched the area but found no sign of Raimi. Distraught, the woman returned home to gather others for a search party. Folks combed the woods through the night but didn't find Raimi. Not even a single trace of her. No blood. No clothing, no sign whatsoever. It was like she had just vanished. According to the story, as Raimi was tending the sheep and making her way along the trail, a, quote, large black bear suddenly appeared in front of her. The bear, wanting nothing to do with the girl, sprinted away. Then a curious looking animal running on four feet sprang out of the bushes and onto the trail. It was not a bear. Ramey thought it looked somewhat human. The creature grabbed the girl, glared into her eyes, and let out a horrid sound. Ramey thought surely the creature would tear her to pieces, but instead it tossed Ramey over its shoulder and raced towards the nearby mountains. The creature lugged Ramey for miles until it reached its lair, a wretched smelling cave tucked away where no human could find it. Ramey believed this was the end of her, When the bear king tossed her to the ground and left her lying there, she saw her chance and dashed for the cave's entrance, but the creature grabbed her and hit her about the head. The girl kind of said, well, this is my end. But as she waited, she noticed the bear king started getting tired. He slumped on the cave floor and fell asleep. She remained patient and waited for at least an hour, then fled the cave. The day after her disappearance, a hunter came upon a young disheveled girl who was aimlessly walking. It was Rainy. The hunter helped her home where her relieved mother was waiting. Ramey quickly recovered from her ordeal and told everyone about her encounter with the bear king. A group of hunters headed out towards the mountain bent on killing the beast. They found the bear king and confronted it. The creature stood up to the hunters, snapping and grinding its teeth while beating its chest. It roared at the men and let out a scream like a panther's. The men took aim but hesitated because it looked so human. But the bear king, full of rage, charged the men. Their gunfire brought it down. So that's the story. Now, 
was this really some half man, half bear creature? Or maybe a Bigfoot? You know what I mean? Like, it's like it kind of has legs into other areas. Um, There are some cryptozoologists that have examined the story because there's always some truth to these stories. Sure. And I think it maybe it could have been a Bigfoot. I don't see why that's any harder to believe than any of the other possibilities. Yeah. I will say for every instance I read about a bear being helpful to a child, there were 15 more about a child being eaten by a bear. I mean, the past 200 years were a lot of kids getting eaten by bears. And a random fact, they almost all occurred while families were berry picking. So a whole family would be picking berries and a bear would swoop in and basically just carry off a child, which is awful. It's really awful. And I'll be honest, I didn't know that that happened. A lot. I really didn't. I thought like you almost had to like provoke it. Like I knew bears can be dangerous. Like we have black bears and stuff like that. Almost all the kids were like under the age of five. So they're very, which, oh, makes it worse. Uh, It's awful. It's, it's. I, I mean, story after story after story after story of, like, bears carrying off children, eating them, oh people recovering God. their children's remains. It's awful. Ooh, okay. So, I guess I have to say, like, I found these, I mean, I don't want to say, I mean, I'm, like, cherry-picking these sure. stories. I'm giving you the full, like, but they are unusual. Um, But I say this because I don't want to, like, romanticize stories about relationships between bears and humans. Like, don't tell your kids, like, they can just walk up to wild bears. No. <laughs> like, that's not, it, the chances are it's not going to go well. Right. For these particular kids, for whatever reason, it has. And I'm so grateful for that. Sure. But it does make it even, it stands out even more. Like, because why Because it is this? so unusual. Because it is so unusual. Exactly. And so, are these particular bears able to act consciously? Or maybe they weren't bears at all. So what do you think they were? I I really have no idea. I mean, I, I hate to just be like, well, they were they were a Bigfoot because that sounds so unreasonable. And maybe they were bears, but it just seems very not in their nature. I don't know. I, it, I maybe it, I go with what the chaplain said. Like, God can use any creature to protect any child, and maybe this is what was used. I don't know. Something divine, no matter what they were, either a Bigfoot or a, a bear or I think that's very else. well put. Something divine. Something divine. You know, something something intervened yes. for these children. Yeah. And I'm grateful. Oh, my gosh. They me did. too. But these stories oh, are wild. That's so, yeah, it's really fun to think about. Yeah. I mean, you know, something that amazing happening. And, and to think about, like, Ida Mae still alive now. Can you imagine, like, that's your legacy? Like, I know. But you basically got carried away. So basically you're abducted and cared for by a bear. <laughs> by a bear. Yeah, that's that's wild. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Now, this episode represents 
one of our Branch of Hope Fund options for January of 2024. We found a wonderful nonprofit organization based in North Carolina, which is where Casey Hathaway lives. It's the Wildlife and Outdoor Recreation Fund. It was established to support charitable, scientific, and educational activities to promote conservation, preservation, and protection of outdoor areas and wildlife like bears. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Yeah. They have no paid staff. It's totally governed by this board of directors, so they can solely focus on people and their interactions with nature and keeping everyone safe. Their multifaceted approach to people living in harmony with nature promotes conservation uh, at its heart. So it's a confirmation conservation of wildlife and their habitats. It also encourages scientific evaluation and research of the native wild fauna and their habitats. We think this would be a great tribute to Casey and his bear. Yeah. Whether real or imagined. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So this is going to be one of our options. We will present our second option to you, which we will cover in the Brown family disappearance next week. And let us know what you think. If you loved this episode, love us or love the Branch of Hope, tell someone. We are doing good work and we need you to help spread the good word. You can also join our Patreon, which will allow us to keep creating and connecting with you. Join our Patreon. Woo, please. There's a live stream with us. There's extra bonus episodes. There's swag. Swag, guys. There's handwritten thank you cards from Stephanie and myself. Like, <laughs> if you if you want to know my serial killer handwriting, just sign up. <laughs> oh my gosh, you must join. Please send us an email at thedarkoakpodcast at gmail.com. We are open to your questions, comments, and anything else you want to share. For more ways to connect, hop over to thedarkoak.com. Be sure to follow us to our next episode where we cover the tragic and mysterious Crown family murders? <gasps> Question mark? Question mark? Thanks for listening, Shiver Seekers. You rock. This episode of The Dark Oak was created, researched, written, recorded, hosted, edited, published, and marketed by Cynthia and Stephanie of Just Us Gals Productions and made possible by you, our shiver-seeking listener. Special thanks goes to Justice Himes for our incredible artwork and Ryan Creep for our amazing music.